Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking Newspaper, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, and we have the permission of the Worcester News, and we're recording on Thursday the 24th of February 2022. Anyone who uh, is unable to read a newspaper is included here, and I'm Elizabeth Hill, and this week's team comprises our engineer John Plush. And round the table with me is Kate Hudman, Janet Goodwin and Goodman, sorry, and Sue Perry. Um, so it's a rather soggy, uh, soggy week this week. We'll have lots of flood stories. Admin has been done by Carol Hartle and her team. Music by Sheila Joins. And thought for the week has been provided by Keir Aldis, for which we thank them all. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners. Not only is the recording available on the memory sticks posted out to you each week, but we can be heard online as a podcast or via one of those new listening devices, such as Alexa. (laughs) We hope you enjoy our offering, which we aim to inform, educate and entertain. We have a quite free service here. We are a registered charity. If you would like to make a donation, it can be included in your wallet or sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And we do thank those of you who um, have made any recent donations. We do appreciate feedback, compliments or complaints. Put a note in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone. 01905 Please be aware we're not here every day, so please be patient and leave a message. In addition to the weekly recordings, which began in 1978, we have an extensive library of talking books. So if you are interested in receiving a talking book, put a note in your wallet or again leave a message and perhaps indicate your choice of genre. Every couple of months, a magazine is produced containing a variety of subject matter. And again, if you'd like to receive this, please ring us and leave a message or put a note in your wallet. So I'm now going to ask um, Janet um, to read the telephone numbers. And that will be followed by Kate telling us what's on in the local theatres. And then Sue will open the birthday book. Thank you, John. Worcester Talking News number is 01905 767766. The Worcester Hub, 01905 765 765. Worcester County Council, here to help, 01905 768053, option 3. Unwanted telephone calls, BT, 152, and then follow the directions. Crime Stoppers, to report anonymously a crime, 0800 555 111. Community Risk Team, FIRE, 0800 032 1155. 
Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-980-3331. NHS Direct 111. Out of Hours GP Surgery 111 and go for directing. Worcester Live, Swan Theatre, Stroke Huntingdon Hall, 01905 611427. Morven Festival Theatre, 01648922277. Norbury Theatre, 01905 Walking for Health, 01905 766155. Sense Adventures, 01684 891796. And uh, Kate will tell us what's on in the local theatres, please. I will too. Um, <clears throat> starting with Malvern, uh, we have Dracula on uh, Sunday, the 27th of February. Um, uh, performed by James Gaddis. Um, so that sounds, well, what it says really. It uh, looks a bit fearsome, but uh, if that's your thing, well, good luck and enjoy it. Um, then there's That'll Be The Day, which is on the 9th of March. So that's a little way ahead. And this is its 35th anniversary. And that looks like a very lively rock and roll and pop and all sorts of things uh, taking part with the, the audience, taking part and so on. So it should be a lot of fun. That uh, And it says you won't be disappointed. And it doesn't look by the illustration as though you would be. There's all sorts in there, just about everything. And then Willie Russell's Blood Brothers, um, that is on the 1st to the 5th of March. Um, and that is always well, well uh, received. So if that's something that uh, it appeals to to you uh, it's the best musical and has won all major awards so um, wonderful singing and wonderful uh, uh, cast etc uh, in that lovely story too um, and Andy Parsons is there on the 4th of March this is still Morven um, and uh, Andy Parsons is a comedian and usually very very funny um, so that should be uh, appeal to some and Ray Mears is on on the 10th of March um, he's uh, We Are Nature, it's called, An Invitation to Reconnect with the Natural World. Um, so that looks, so. Uh, looking at the picture, it looks so he's standing in a wonderful place, somewhere, perhaps the Lake District, and talking about um, it's educational, inspirational and fascinating. So that might be something to, to think about. Then we have Opera, um, which is um, uh, Madam Butterfly and Carmen. Now, these are on... Um, Madam Butterfly is on the 6th of March and Carmen on the 7th, uh, the 10th, sorry, the 10th of April. So 6th of March and 10th of April. And the reason I'm mentioning both is that if you buy a ticket for both of them, you get 20% off if you book both of them. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, that is a um, wonderful opera, uh, well known to a lot of people. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, will know them. And that might well be something that you'd like to enjoy. Um, and that's that seems to be it for Malvern. Um, everything else is much further into March, so you'll get that next week. In Worcester, at Worcester Theatres, um, we have uh, Simon Evans, The Work of the Devil. I think this is a sort of tongue-in-cheek, um, but uh, quite amusing uh, look at um, uh, his views about about, uh, about all this and... and um, 
uh, excoriating views of of a world on the th- on the fire, given a perspective shift from personal revelations that turned his world upside down this last year. So I think that sounds a bit um, quite amusing as well as everything else. And then the adult panto Little Red Riding Hood is at the Swan Theatre, and that is on Saturday the twenty sixth at seven thirty. Um, so a bit of an adult version of Little Red Riding Hood, which uh, follows on from the the child's child's version. So it's age sixteen plus. I think that probably covers most of you actually. But uh, anyway, if that's that's your sort of thing, good for you. Uh, and then Saucy, Saucy Love at the Vesta Tilly Studio. That is also on the 26th of February at 7.45. Um, and uh, that just looks like, uh, well, it sounds, um, it's inclusive, diverse, uh, fun and chaos um, and all sorts. So um, uh, you may want to ring up and find out a little more, more about that. Um, then we've got Eric and Ern, good old Eric and Ernie, and uh, that's the 27th of February. That's on Sunday at 7.30. Um, and it's uh, Ian Ash, Ashdell and Jonty Stevens, who are, they look very much like them in the picture. And I would think that would be a lot of fun. Um, music lovers will like Roberto Ruisi and Kumi Matsu. Uh, they are at Huntingdon Hall, and that's on the 27th of February at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Roberto is a violinist and Kumi piano. And they're performing sonatas by Beethoven and Pulenek. So um, I think, uh, you know, that would be very, very worth, uh, if, if you're that, if you like classical music, that's going to be not one not to miss. And then we go back to a bit more gore, the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on the 1st and 2nd of um, March at the Swan Theatre. And they are at at 7.30 on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, there's a 10.30 a.m. performance and also a 7.30 a.m., 7.30 p.m. one. So um, that uh, it looks, well, I think it's what it says, really. I think there may be children there in, in the uh, morning uh, one on Mar- in March on the March second. I mean, so if you're you'd rather have a quieter uh, audience, then perhaps the evening ones are for you. Uh, on the third of March, Simon Mayer and Hilary James are at Huntington Hall. Um, they are uh, they play violin. They play all sorts of. Um, uh, folk type music really hot swing as well and lashings of fun um, and uh, they are very very good indeed they, they, I've, I've seen these two and they are excellent so I think you won't be disappointed if that's your your kind of music Swan Theatre also um, snooker greats on the 3rd of March Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor uh, having a good old chat and John Virgo as well uh, is in there so um, I would think that's something not to miss if you're a if you're a snooker fan or you like to listen to the snooker commentaries that sounds pretty good um, Keith James is on the 4th of March, Friday the 4th of March at 7.30 at Huntington Hall. Uh, That's called A Concert for a Changing World. Um, He also, he's a wonderful musician. He sings songs um, written by Bob Dylan, Joan Byers, Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell, Cat Stevens, Nina Simone, Leonard Cohen and Keith. So if you know um, those people, well, you obviously will know some of them. And if you like that type of music, he's, he's well worth a listen. 
and the um oh two more or oh, three more things there um shack attack is on the 5th of march that's a saturday at 7 30 um they are um similar to level 42 and light of the world um so they're they're um, a good band there's four of them and that sounds as though that might be quite lively then we have Dinosaur Adventure Live on Saturday the 5th and Sunday the 6th of March at 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I think that is for the children who are perhaps on half term uh, and that's Dinosaur Adventure Live. So um, not quite sure what that's going to be about but it should be a lot of fun and um, lots of animal noises and so on. Uh, Mark Watson on the 6th of March at Huntingdon Hall. Uh, he's a comedian uh, and he, uh, um, I think, has quite um, uh, a lot of a good following, and he's, he's, you know, he's usually very funny and interesting and worth worth a look. Um, and then there's Hunt at the Swan Theatre, which is on uh, on the ninth uh, and ninth to the eleventh of March. Um, now this is, um, I'll read what it says. It uh, Hunt by Finola Kennedy follows a group of teenagers playing their version of hide and seek. It involves borrowing objects from their neighbours' back gardens and dumping them in the box without being caught by each other, their neighbours or anyone else. So um, quite what's going to go on there, I really don't know, but it <laughs> it certainly sounds as though it's it's got some sort of uh, bite to it. Probably at the end there's a, a lot of... Um, revealing and what have you um and then uh the vesta tilly studio at the swan theater on monday the 7th to wednesday the 9th at seven o'clock badass medusa and me too uh now this is um worcester this is formerly worcester worcester arts workshop um in conjunction with worcester theaters um are doing the story of medusa medusa's story um a collecting rage agency and a female gaze for inspirational women's day so if that's the kind of thing that you would be you'd like to see then uh, that's well well worth uh, attending too uh, tickets for that are 10 pounds and 12 pounds and i think that's as much as that we need you need to know i think i've blinded you with science anyway so i'll hand you back to liz now <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. There's quite a lot going on. Um, and one more um, item I've picked up from the paper. Um, people in Worcester are reminded a classical concert is being held early next Monday. That's the 28th of February. The musical Safari Tiny Tunes concert is being held at St Martin's Church in London Road between 10.30 and 11.10. The event features Shula Oliver on violin and viola and she'll be taking people on a safari to discover the wonders of the animal kingdom, including the swan, the lark and the donkey. It sounds like a children's thing, but it's not half term, so I'm not sure. Anyway, um, if you have um, children to entertain for half an hour, you might go along. Um, for more details, visit st-martinsworcester.org.uk. So, quite a lot. Now... As you know, we've had three storms in quick succession, Dudley, Eunice and Franklin. And so you won't be surprised to know that most of the headline stories and many of the inside stories can consist of flooding. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Sue if she'll read you the headlines and the sunrise and sunset time, please. Thank you. So we've got um, the first one is no spaces to keep hospital appointment. Eunice hits hard. 
that's one of the storms. After the storms, rising tide, no way through, and we have to be resilient. Sunrise is at 7.07am and sunset 5.39pm. Thank you. And with the first of the stories is Kate. Uh, you're right. A man who made a wasted 50-mile round trip had to miss a hospital appointment because of a lack of parking. Frustrated, Chris Martin spent 30 minutes circling the car parks at Worcestershire Royal Hospital before abandoning his appointment. He has urged hospital bosses to deal with the parking issues at the hospital on Charles Hastings Way, which he says are not helping patients. Paul Brennan, Deputy Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said they were bringing in measures to free up parking spaces at the hospital. It includes bringing back car parking charges at the car parks, which has been free throughout the pandemic. The Trust will reinstate the charges from Friday, April the 1st. Mr Martin from Kings Winford near Dudley said, I circled both car parks twice behind lots of other cars trying to do the same. In the end, I had to abandon my appointment annoyingly. I rang the switchboard who put me through to the Hawthorne suite and kept it ringing for ages, but no one answered. So I couldn't even let anyone know I wouldn't be there. I realise my failed appointment is a cost to the NHS, but it's not my fault that I couldn't park and have wasted my time today. The journey for me is a 50-mile round trip from Kingswinford. Something has to be done. This situation is not helping patients, neither are the excuses that I get back in my replies to my complaints. I live near Dudley and there is no easy way to get to Worcester on public transport. This is affecting real people now, every day, and must be remedied. There has been an increase in people using the hospital car park, which has led to the hospital taking steps to remedy the situation. Paul Brennan said, During the peak of the COVID pandemic, in line with national policy, we suspended all parking charges for patients and visitors. We have continued to offer free parking for patients and visitors for longer than many other hospital trusts locally. But with the number of patients coming onto our sites increasing, we have reviewed the way we manage our parking and will be reintroducing the charges for patients and visitors from April the 1st. He continued, we apologise to anyone who has difficulty parking on any one of our sites. The reintroduction of barrier controls on patient car parks should help us to manage parking more efficiently. Other measures to help ease parking pressure and traffic congestion on our sites include the increased use of telephone and video appointments, which are more convenient for patients and reduce the number of vehicles coming onto our sites. The roof of a building was ripped off by Storm Eunice and flew into the air before crashing down and causing damage. Half of the lockkeeper's office roof smashed down onto an electrics box and a pole on Diglis Island, while the other half fell into the River Severn. High winds split the roof of the lockkeeper's cabin in Diglis in two pieces before it flew into the air yesterday. William Barry and Mark Conn from Worcester Glazing were working on the lockkeeper's cottage when they saw the roof fly off. Mr Barry said, We were fitting a door about 10.30am this morning, and obviously it is blowing up a storm, and it just took the roof off that building and damaged quite a few other things as well. We didn't expect it. 
the customer rang the people in charge of this land to let them know about the damage. Mr Conn said, It did get quite high into the air. It was about twice as high as the building. We were quite shocked. It has been a bit windy, but not too bad. But the gaffer came out from Worcester Glazing and told us to go home early. We have worked in high winds before, but it is probably the windiest it's been. A spokeswoman for the Canals and Rivers Trust, which owns the land, said they would be assessing the damage once the storm was over. She said, we are aware of the damage. Given the extreme weather, we'll be visiting the site to assess the damage and work out how we're going to fix it and remove the debris from the water. Worcestershire continues to feel the effects of the worst storm in decades over the weekend and braced itself for further weather damage. High river levels put much of the county at risk of flooding and hundreds of homes were left without power. Worcestershire Highways spent much of the weekend clearing trees that had been felled by Storm Eunice on Friday. They also installed flood pipes in Hilton Road, causing the road to be closed for about three hours. Flood alerts remain in place for the rivers Severn, Team and Avon, with the Environment Agency saying river levels are still rising after storms Dudley and Eunice brought heavy rain to the county. People are being urged to avoid using low-lying footpaths and roads near rivers. The Severn flooded in Worcester on Saturday, submerging the footpath at South Quay. There was also flooding on Worcester Racecourse. The Met Office has used a yellow weather warning for wind across the Midlands, southern England and Wales, and forecasts of winds of up to 50 miles an hour. It says disruption on roads and railways is likely and warns of further damage to infrastructure and trees, especially where they have made more vulnerable by been made more vulnerable by storm Eunice. The prospect of yet another storm, Franklin, hitting Worcestershire, is hardly going to cheer those households that have been left without power over the weekend. Western Power Distribution said its engineers worked in awful weather to restore electricity to those affected, reconnecting hundreds of thousands of customers across the south-west Midlands and Wales. Operations Director Graham Halliday said, We know that our customers are really struggling. It is cold and being without power can be hugely disruptive and very worrying. We have simply never seen damage on this scale before. It is the worst storm in decades. We are working non-stop to get things sorted. I want to say a huge thank you to our customers for their patience. Everyone at WPD is dedicated to the restoration effort. We care about every single incident and we are working through the backlog as quickly as is humanly possible. On Tuesday, fears were growing of widespread flooding as the River Severn burst its banks and the water level kept rising. People living near the river were warned to be ready to flee their homes after alerts were upgraded to flood warnings, with the river expected to keep rising throughout the day. The flood warning followed Storm Franklin blowing through the county overnight and into Monday morning, with the strong winds bringing trees down, including one crashing through a fence on London Road.
Diglis Footbridge and the Riverside footpath at the bottom of Hilton Road was closed due to flooding, with walkers told to use pedestrian crossings by McDonald's and Worcester Bridge rather than walk in the road. River levels had been rising since Friday after the UK was hit by Storm Dudley, Storm Eunice and then Storm Franklin. A woman was dramatically rescued from fast-flowing water on the River Severn after emergency services were called to near the boathouse in Grandstand Road at around 5.15 on Sunday. Boat crews from Worcester and Evesham were sent out and the woman was rescued using a sled boat, being treated by paramedics at the scene. Firefighters were also forced to act to remove dangerous debris hanging from a sign that was flapping in City Arcade. A crew from Worcester Fire Station was called to deal with that at 4.24pm on Sunday. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said firefighters mobilised to dangerous structures city centre. Worcester scene made safe by removing loose loose items. Debris was removed from an extendable rescue pole and moved to a bin area. A man in his 30s also had to be rescued by firefighters after becoming trapped in flood water in Walcott Lane near Pershaw. His car was stuck in a ford made impassable by days of heavy rain. A spokesman for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Services said crews from Pershaw, Upton and Evesham Water first responder teams from Pershaw and Upton and a drone from Ledbury Fire Station were all called to the submerged car at the Ford where Judge Eric Dickinson died 15 years ago after his car became stuck. The man was rescued safe and well and was taken home by the AA. Those living in areas near the river were advised to get a bag ready with vital items like insurance documents and medications in case they needed to evacuate their home. There was also advice to check they knew how to turn off gas, electricity and water main supplies as well as plan how they would move family and pets to safety. In the early afternoon, water from the River Severn was creeping onto Hilton Road by Worcester Bridge, Grandstand Road and and onto the path next to the river, not far from the Café Viaduct. The Environment Agency said the predicted peak for Worcester would come on Wednesday. Floods caused chaos across Worcestershire as multiple roads in Worcester closed along the city's main bridge. Worcester Bridge, Castle Street, Croft Road and Severn Terrace were all shut as rising river levels saw the River Severn overflow its banks and flood Hilton Road along with Worcestershire Racecourse, Gellivelt Park and Waterworks Road. Hilton Road was initially kept open to cars, despite both sides of the roads being completely covered with water, but Worcester Bridge and the bottom of Hilton Road was shut at around 11am to install a contraflow along New Road. The traffic situation was further exacerbated after a crash on Broomhall Way, which saw that side of the city also suffering from heavy congestion. New Road was shut at 7.15pm for two hours in order to allow for a contraflow to be installed, although the bridge remained open for pedestrians. A play park at Gellivelt Park was closed after being covered by water. The river was continuing to rise and not expected to peak until Wednesday. 
Catherine Smith, flood duty manager at the Environment Agency, said heavy rain affecting already wet areas is likely to cause significant river flooding along the River Severn until Wednesday. We have teams out on the ground taking preventative action, closing floodgates, deploying temporary barriers and moving pumps and other response equipment to areas of highest risk. While a handful of properties have sadly flooded over the past few days, Environment Agency defences have protected more than 40,000 properties despite record river levels. We advise people to stay away from swollen rivers and not to drive through floodwaters as just 30 centimetres of flowing water is enough to move your car. Diglis Bridge and Sabrina Footbridge were also closed. Drivers were warned by Worcester City Council to avoid parking in the Croft Road and Cattle Market car parks. Despite this, a number of vehicles could still be seen in the former, though there were significant pools of water at either end. The excess water has mainly come from the three recent storms which hit the region this month. Storms Dudley, Eunice and Franklin left 1.4 million households without electricity, some for up to 72 hours, while dozens of properties near the River Severn have been evacuated. The Environment Agency said the river was expected to peak at 5.6 metres, but would then remain high this week after recent heavy rainfall. And the last of the headline stories. A woman has spoken of her frustration, claiming she is in a forgotten flood community after being flooded for the third time in three years. Amanda Cartwright says she is one of 24 homes in Diglis Avenue that have become the forgotten flood victims after water came in this week after the recent storms. On her Twitter account, the 47-year-old shared pictures of water in one of her rooms, including furniture having to be propped up on a table. Mrs Cartwright, who lives at the home with her husband, said, We're not out for sympathy. I knew I was moving into a house that flooded, but at the time it was an every six to seven year event. We accept the risk and accept it will flood. My street is pretty resilient. We have to be. The street is cut off from other streets in the area, including from Portland Street, with the only way to access the homes is by wearing waders and wellies. Mrs Cartwright said they were currently living in the upstairs of the property, only moving downstairs to move items above the water by using crates. She said there is a lack of engagement and working in partnership from Worcester City Council and Seven Trent. Words are cheap. Actions make a difference. We had a call from Worcester City Council warning us about possible flooding on Monday, but have had no communication since. Seven Trent Water has never spoken about flooding during any of the flood events. We don't just want things done for us. It's not about wanting money. It's about working with communities like ours to work together so all agencies work together. Just because we get on with it, that does not mean that it's fine to leave us. I have been making sure my house and neighbours are okay. 
She added that residents wanted to thank King's School Worcester, which has provided its car park for residents to park in for free this week. A Worcester City Council spokesman said... The City Council is working hard alongside partners including the Police, Fire and Rescue, Environment Agency and Worcestershire County Council to provide assistance and support to residents and businesses who have been so badly affected by these latest floods. We understand how upsetting and frustrating it is to have flood water enter your home and we are doing all we can to help. Our officers have been contacting residents in Diglis Avenue, Waterworks Road and other areas to offer support to residents, including the provision of emergency accommodation. That offer will remain in place throughout the period of the flood. In recent years, we have also been able to provide government grants to improve the resilience of properties which are impacted by flooding, including those in Diglis Avenue. Once the current flood levels start to fall, we will be in action to assist with the clear-up, including the disposal of household goods damaged in the flood. A Seven Trent spokesman said, We're really sorry to hear about the flooding that's happening in Diglas Avenue following the aftermath of Storm Eunice, as we know just how distressing any type of flooding can be. The issues have been caused by the recent heavy rain and rivers flooding and the Environment Agency, as the lead and responsible agency, are in the area, but we'll be on hand and happy to support wherever possible as required. When the river and rainwater subsides, our teams will be on standby to support our customers, the community and local businesses if there are any sewer issues or clean-up needed. So I think there are more watery stories en route, but it has been a very difficult week. Um, there are lots of amazing photographs. Um, the main Worcester bridge from um, Bridge Street over to New Road, um, there probably are only a couple of feet between the top of the arches and the level of the water. Um, and this evening, Hilton Road and all around... Um, the uh, the pub at the bottom of um, New Street, uh, Newport Street, all around there, that's closed. And Crown Gate Car Park is closed. And um, yes, the traffic is rather challenging at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're best off to stay at home. That's my oh, definitely, advice. Definitely, definitely. Anyway, so that's the headline stories. And I'm going to hand over now to Kate to start with the rest of the general news. Right. Thank you. Some other stories. This isn't aren't water related. Hopefully. Right. Hawks will return to Worcester in a bid to scare away problem gulls from the city centre and residential streets. Extra funding has been found for the birds of prey to return to the city earlier this year. The Harris's hawk will appear around the city until May to discourage the birds from nesting when they migrate to the UK for the spring and summer months. Worcestershire Regulatory Services is also working with Worcester City Council to experiment whether an increased human presence at rooftop height will deter the gulls from nesting. A 10-metre tower with a safe railed platform will be built at an industrial site in Lower Wick. The platform will be used to overlook the nesting areas and establish a daily human presence by site staff. The tower will be used for 12 weeks to manage the gull activity in the area. 
The site has been chosen as it is one of the worst hit areas for gulls from 35 to 40 nests. If the experiment is successful, the technique may be used more widely across the city. Leader of Worcester City Council, Councillor Mark Bayliss, said, Thanks to the success of the programme last summer, we have doubled our budget to crack down on the issue of goals in the city centre, particularly in areas where residents and businesses are being seriously affected. We are working hard to implement measures to protect the public's health and safety without harming the girls, as lesser back, uh, black-backed gull and herring gulls, the two most common species present in Worcester, are protected by law. The operation will take place in residential areas around the tithing. Much of the city centre, the former Royal Worcester estate and an industrial site in Lower Wick. The programme will be carried out by an experienced hawk flyer who will, when possible, deploy the hawk from accessible rooftops to establish a presence where the gulls would usually nest. The technique was used over the spring and summer months last year and proved to be successful as residents and business owners reported less disturbance from gulls. Evidence also exists that new nesters were deterred, meaning gulls appeared to nest elsewhere. The technique is a deterrent only and the hawk will not attack or harm the gulls. Natural England encourages deterrent hawking as a form of non-lethal urban gull management. Hawking will take place alongside other measures such as strict control of litter and food waste, steel mesh cages over areas where gulls potentially could nest and when a public health and safety case is made, licensed egg and nest removal. People living in Wilds Lane defended lorry drivers and criticised the lack of parking availability. A video on Twitter sparked a debate over dangerous driving on Wilds Lane after a lorry was seen mounting the kerb to get around traffic. But people living in the Worcester Street, who wanted to remain anonymous, said drivers had little choice. The residents wanted to remain anonymous. One man said... All drivers have had no choice but to mount the curb on occasion when behind the wheel of a, on a congested street. Any resident or commuter that either lives or uses this road should know that it is busy. Stop condemning people that are just trying to do their job. Another resident felt that the situation was mainly spearheaded by the parking availability on Wild Slane. She said, the industrial estate workers are lovely and they are considerate to the residents. People are quick to blame Wilds Lane residents and workers for dangerous driving when it is often the people coming at ridiculous speeds who do not live on this road that cause a lot of the issues. We have previously been promised better parking facilities, but nothing has changed. Some residents live in three-car households and some are taxi drivers who need their vehicles for work. They need to be able to park their cars. Another resident was also in agreement over the parking situation but felt business owners need to take more responsibility to ensure safety for drivers and pedestrians. She said, I think the parking situation down here is ridiculous. You can see all the cars queued up along the road, so no wonder there is such congestion. 
but the business owners need to be a bit more considerate to the residents who live down here, as it is not just a main road, but also a place where people live. Wayne Rayson, one of the directors for Heron's Supplies Limited on Perrywood Trading Estates, said, We are highly appreciative of all drivers' attitudes and responsibility when using Wilds Lane. We travel up and down this road regularly ourselves, and we have never experienced any complaints from the residents about our drivers. Worcester is a small city with small roads, and at the end of the day, these are professional drivers who know how to operate large vehicles. Worcestershire County Council was unavailable for comment. There have been eight coronavirus deaths and another rise in the number of COVID patients in Worcestershire hospitals this week, NHS data shows. The latest figures reveal the eight deaths recorded for county hospitals came in the week up to February the 18th. Seven of the deaths came at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust, the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch and Kidderminster Hospital, with the Trust's total moving to 954. Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust saw a further COVID-19 death, its total moving to 68. The 8,000 deaths this week means in total there have been 1,020 COVID-related deaths in county hospitals during the pandemic. Latest NHS data shows a rise in the number of people in hospital with COVID-19, with 98 recorded on Friday, February the 18th. In comparison, a week ago, on February the 11th, there were 85 people in Worcestershire hospitals with COVID-19. The number of people in intensive care with COVID-19 is at four people, the same number as February the 11th. Meanwhile, there has been another fall in the number of coronavirus cases overall in Worcestershire, Public Health England figures show. The latest figures show there were 3,833 cases in the week up to February the 13th, a drop of 29.7% on the previous week. Worcester saw a fall of 26.1% in the seven days to February the 13th, with 750 cases recorded. Malvern Hill saw a fall of 30.9% in the seven days, with 581 cases. Witchhaven, which includes Evesham, Evesham and Droitwich, was down 23.9% to 956 cases, Redditch was down 38.3% to 490. Wire Forest, which includes Kidderminster, was down 30.6% to 552. And Bromsgrove had a fall of 33.2% to 534 cases. The latest vaccination figures up to February the 17th show 87.3% of Worcestershire adults have had a first dose of Covid vaccine, 82.9% have had a second, while 68.6% have had their booster. A soon-to-close supermarket could be turned into flats for the elderly after being bought by a mystery developer. St John's Co-op store will be closing in April after 130 years 
and is rumoured to be transformed into a new retirement village. Worcester councillors back to call by St John's councillor Richard Udall to protect the building and make sure it stays, at least partly, as a shop. Speaking to councillors at a full meeting in the Guildhall, Councillor Udall said it was essential the supermarket was not completely converted into housing as the dramatic loss of footfall would damage all other retail outlets in St John's. Staff have been informed that the shop has been sold to a mystery developer to be converted into a retirement village, he said. St John's is not a geriatric conglomeration. St John's is a living, breathing commercial community and St John's needs shops. Fellow St John's councillor Matt Lamb said the announcement by Co-op was a bitter blow to a community already reeling from closures and job losses. He said the supermarket was important for jobs and the community in St John's and the loss of income would be felt. And while a retirement village may be needed, he was concerned by the future loss of income. Councillor Andy Roberts said the co-op building was essential to the vibrancy of St John's and the council would do all it could to make sure it was not lost. Supermarket staff, including some of those who have worked at the store for more than 30 years, were said to be crushed by the news when it was announced by bosses earlier this month. Co-op said the decision to close its St John's store after 130 years of trading in the area had not been taken lightly. This is in no way a reflection on the commitment and hard work of colleagues who have been informed and who are being fully supported, a statement said. We would like to thank the community for its support of this store over the years and remain committed to service, serving our members and customers in Worcester from our stores locally and across the area. Uh, and this is a, a sports um, tribute, a win for Jack. Um, this is, um, I'll, I'll read the story and it will, you'll understand. Uh, Sean Vailanu and Duham van der Meer starred as Worcester handed new boss Steve Diamond his first win on an emotional evening at Six Ways last Friday. Members of Evesham's Rugby Football Club first team joined players from Bristol Bears and Worcester Warriors on the pitch before kick-off, as well as the family of Jack Jeffrey, to celebrate the life of the 27-year-old who died playing for his club the weekend before last. There was a minute's applause before the game, which saw Worcester win an enthralling Gallagher Premiership contest, 1914, thanks to tries from number eight Valenu, winger Van der Meer, and captain Ashley Beck. Hosts Worcester went 14 0 up after 20 minutes, but tries from Steve Lautenu and Max Live pulled Bristol level at the break before Tongan Valenu won in it in the 45th minute with a superb solo effort. After the minute's applause, the hosts flew out of the blocks and scored within five minutes as Jamie Shilcock's clever grubber, kicking behind the Bristol backline, popped up into Van der Meer's hands and the Scottish international dotted down on his return from international duty. 
Warriors were on top and just before the 20th minute, a powerful carry from Valenu got Worcester within range and the ball found its way to Captain Beck, who crossed from close range. Two brilliant conversions were slotted from fly-half Finn Smith and the hosts held a 14-0 lead. Bristol began to work their way into it and penalties against Warriors started to mount. Another saw fly-half Callum Sheedy pop a kick into the corner from the mall they worked it worked at infield and Captain Lutonu muscled his way over the line to reduce the deficit. And then just five minutes later they found themselves level when another kick to the corner provided the platform for Prop Lahif to score. Warriors suffered a further blow on half-time as full-back Jamie Shilcock was helped off the field with a serious-looking injury. The winning score came just five minutes after the break as the impressive Valenu picked up from the base of a ruck on halfway before smashing through Sheedy and full-time Iona Lloyd on his way to the try-line, much to the joy of the buoyant crowd. Worcestershire CCC have added serious international quality to their batting lineup for the 2022 LV Insurance County Championship campaign. Pakistan's opening test batsman, Azhar Ali, has committed to the club for all 14 county championship matches this summer. But it comes on the back of disappointment for the county, as it has been confirmed that Australian Matthew Wade will not be joining this summer after being picked up by the Gujarat Titans for this year's Indian Premier League. Ali replaces Wade in one of Worcestershire's overseas player spots. The right-hander has played 91 tests for his country, spanning 11 years since making his debut in 2010, and has scored 6,721 runs at an average of 42.53 with 18 centuries. Ali already has experience of county championship cricket through three spells at Somerset and he scored a century against Worcestershire on his debut at Taunton in 2018. He is set for his Worcestershire debut in the opening county championship game against Leicestershire at the Upton Steel County Ground beginning on April 7th. Chairman Paul Pridgen is delighted to have him on board. His record in Test cricket is outstanding and he offers great experience and is of high quality. He has got a lot going for him and it is excellent as well that we've got someone available to play county championship cricket all summer. It gives us that stability. Azhar will be great in the dressing room as well and will also be able to pass on some good information and experience to the young lads. We spoke to Andy Harry, Somerset head coach, and he said Azhar is singularly the nicest human being you could ever come across. The fact that he has played county cricket already so already so knows all about English conditions is another plus factor. His test debut came at Lords against Australia in 2010 and he has been a critical component in the Pakistan side ever since. Ali hit his highest test score of 302 not out against the West Indies in Dubai in October 2016 when he batted for 11 hours. 
He has a total of 41 first-class hundreds and 14,040 runs. And this is another um, piece about Worcester Warriors. Steve Diamond has indicated that he's already in talks with bringing a, a, a few new faces to the club. Diamond, speaking on BT Sports Rugby Tonight programme, discussed his recruitment plans, but also his goal to build around the current crop of homegrown talent. The new Worcester boss admitted it hasn't always been easy for Worcester to bring in the reinforcements needed to push the side further up the Premiership table. The problem with Worcester is they have never had a deep and narrow mentality of this is how we're going to do it, this is how we are going to play. It's always been changed year in, year out, he said. As such, agents have charged Worcester far more than any other club for players because no one wanted to go there. But those days are numbered. If I can't recruit off the right agents, then we will wait until we get someone who, who, who we can. We have to recruit, but people like Finn Smith, Gareth Simpson, Ollie Lawrence, Ted Hill, Jamie Shilcock, they're all Worcester boys and we will be building around them, but of course we will have to bring in reinforcements. I am going for hard cases and there is no better place to find some hard cases than in South Africa. I have some targets, a Georgian guy who may come and join us and a couple of South Africans and then the rest will be English-based players. But I want players to come here for the right reasons and not for a higher salary. Diamond won his first game in charge of the club last weekend as Warriors outmuscled Bristol Bears 19-14 to at Six Ways on Friday evening. Worcester remain the 12th and still 16 points away from their highest ever finish off. And Diamond has reiterated the size of the job in hand at his new club. But he knows the best way to develop and build team spirit is through winning games. You have to create a good working environment and win games, he said. It is hard building spirit with defeats, and it won't be immediate, but we will get there. We need to create a resilient attitude and the players here are doing that. We have played top of the league Leicester and inform Sale both away but against other sides we have a chance. As a team we could be fitter, we could be better and we can improve our skill set but that takes time. I have time on my hands though. I deliver in actions not words and that's what I plan to do here in Worcester. Well, it is winter, so here is another <laughs> rugby story. Um, but it uh, concerns the um, uh, item that uh, Kate read about the injured Jamie Shilcock. Fears have been eased after lead rugby consultant Steve Diamond confirmed it wasn't as serious as initially thought. The fullback was helped off by medics during the half time break between Worcester and Bristol Bears. A game Warriors went on to win nineteen to fourteen. Shilcock went down after stepping off his right ankle, and the pictures showed his face in some pain, which caused plenty of concern. But Diamond has said that whilst he might be out for a week or so, it is not as bad as had been feared. That will come as a relief for Worcester, as Shilcock has become one of the first names on the team sheet and his first half display against Bristol showed exactly that. 
He provided the pinpoint grubber kick through the through for Duhan van Vandermeer's early try, and also produced the try-saving tackle to prevent Bristol's Fitz Harding from going over. Captain Ted Hill missed the win over Bristol due to a sore back, but has trained this week and could return for the visit of reigning champions Harlequins on Friday night in the Gallagher Premiership. Flanker Carl Hatherell will not be available, however, as he continues to struggle with a shoulder problem that saw him come off during the 36-12 defeat at Sale two weeks ago. Scrum half Will Willie Hines is nearing a return after almost four months out, but next week is looking a lot more likely scenario for him. Warriors are having to deal with their fair share of injuries at the minute with a host of first-team players out. Centres Francois Venter, Ollie Morris, Ollie Lawrence, Owen Williams and Will Butler are currently all sidelined as are back row forwards Hatherell, Tom Dodd and Sam Lewis. Injuries don't worry me. They are short-term problems, said Diamond. Every club has to put up with them. You always have knocks and bruises to deal with and you just have to get on with it. If someone misses out because of injury, there is another young lad coming off the rank. You would like your best players to be on the pitch, but that rarely happens. What I can say is that anyone that steps into the team at the moment is saying, pick me. And that's the round of sport. We're going to just have a round of short uh, news items. Right. Worcester Library is holding a series of research seminar programmes in the coming months. The School of Humanities Research Seminar Programme is an open series of paper presentations led by the University of Worcester. The next event is being held at the Hive in the Butts in Meeting Room 2 at 6pm on March the 23rd. It is with Dr Wendy Toon and looks at the real war ammunition. Artists for Victory, the National War Poster Competition and the Hostile Imagination on the United States World War II Home Front. For more information, visit thehiveworcester.org. Bank scams have risen by 17% in just three months, according to new reports from Barclays. More than half, 53%, of these scams involve buying goods online that never arrive or didn't exist in the first place, with the scams at an average value of £980. Money-saving expert Nick Drews shared his top tips for safety. Set strong passwords, which are all different. Do your research on companies you buy from. Be aware of a website's URL and make sure your internet connection is secure. A prolific shoplifter who stole Ben and Jerry's ice cream has been banned from entering any co-op store in the country and several other Worcester supermarkets. Jacob Telford, who's 22, of Maple Avenue, Tollandine, is subject to a criminal behaviour order at Kidderminster Magistrates' Court. By the terms of the three-year order, he was banned from entering any co-op store, cost-cutter in Anchorage Green in Warnden Villages, spa in Cranham Drive, Warnden, the Lower Wick filling station, including the forecourt,
We reported last September how Telford was convicted of the theft of items of value unknown from Gresham Road on February the 8th last year and of another theft from the co-op in Ambleside Drive, Warndon on February the 22nd last year, during which he stole meat and Ben and Jerry's ice cream worth £25. The charges against him proved in his absence. He was remanded in custody until September the 27th. We reported in July how he fled Worcester Magistrates Court during a cigarette break. He then faced four theft charges, shoplifting of meat worth £234 from the co-op in Worcester on July the 30th, 2020, stealing £50 worth of meat from the co-op on September the 14th, theft of £83 in packets of steak from Lower Wick filling station on October the 10th, 2020 and stealing 71 pounds of meat products from Lower Wick filling station on January the 16th last year. Now here's something a bit nicer. A free International Women's Day event will celebrate inspiring women from Worcester's past. The walk and talk will start by the statue of Vesta Tilly in the Corn Market and take in places around the city associated with notable women and their triumphs. Sponsored by Worcester Green Party, it will be led by City Councillor Marjorie Bissett and start at 11am on Tuesday, March the 8th. After the event, there will be an informal lunch at vegan restaurant Be The Change. And that's just a roundup of short news items. And I'm going to hand over to Kate. Yep. Right, this is the Bishop's column, the Reverend Dr John Inge. He says, I noticed a tweet by Stephen Fry on Monday evening. It read, looking forward to 22 minutes past 10 tomorrow evening, i.e. 22.22 on 22.22. It'll be just too exciting. It struck me as well as a welcoming bit of life light relief amid so much depressing news. When the moment came, I didn't find it that exciting. Maybe you did, but it was notable nevertheless. I'm no mathematician, but I do find numbers fascinating, particularly very big and very small ones. I read the other day that human noses can detect compounds at a concentration equivalent to a single drop of water in 20,000 Olympic swimming pools. I didn't realise my smell was so good. When it comes to the size of the universe, the numbers are extraordinary. If the Earth were reduced to the size of a pea on the same scale, Jupiter would be 300 metres away and the nearest star would be 16,000 kilometres away. The existence of such enormity maybe, maybe puts different perspective on the things which trouble us. More than big numbers, I find comfort in the fact that, despite the chaos we face in so many areas of of our lives, the laws of mathematics are sublimely ordered and constant. They are also outside any material reality. Those who say that they only believe in what they can see and observe would do well to ponder that all mathematical laws existed before anyone was around to to discover them, and they would be there even if there were no material reality. For me as a Christian, the laws of mathematics and the order of the cosmos that they describe point to the existence of God. 
God who will eventually bring order out of all the chaos which is so often our experience. I am sure none of that was in Stephen Fry's mind when he tweeted about the symmetry of 2222, but that's where it took me. I hope at the very least my musings might give you a few moments respite from the pressures of the day. The cost of damage caused to the entrance of Pitmaston Park is not yet known, according to Worcestershire County Council. The major structural damage caused by utilities was revealed by the councillor Alan Amos after the entrance heavily flooded last week. A Worcestershire County Council spokeswoman said the issue was brought to our attention last year. However, the drain was functioning to some extent but was slow to drain during periods of heavy rain. We are unable to follow the existing line of the pipe, so we are currently exploring options to reinstate the connection. The cost of the works required has not yet been finalised. This will be funded from our capital drainage budget. Councillor Alan Amos, County Cabinet Member for Highways and Transport, confirmed that major structural damage caused by the utilities was discovered. The County Council said it had been unable to find out how the original damage occurred. A spokeswoman said, It is difficult to establish who has caused the damage. There are a number of utility services within close proximity and our investigation was inconclusive. Our CCTV survey showed a collapsed pipe and when we dug down to repair, we found a number of utilities in close proximity to the break. We are planning to undertake works during the summer holidays to avoid disruption to the school and we anticipate the new connection works will take three to five days. The park's gate is being used as the sole entrance for pupils at nearby Pitmaston Primary School, as well as for visitors and dog walkers that use the park. Council planners have said a controversial plan to build a new care home in the city should be rejected. The plan to build a 61-bed care home on land off the busy London Road in Worcester um, goes before councillors for a decision next week with a recommendation from planning officers that it is turned down. Planners said the care home would ruin most of the green space, result in a number of trees being cut down and would harm the wildlife if it was allowed to be built. A report which will be discussed at the council's planning meeting at the Guildhall next Thursday said the care home breached a number of its policies on protecting green space. The proposal is considered unacceptable and it would intrude into and have a harmful impact upon the green space, it said. The development would also fail to preserve or enhance the character and appearance of Lark Hill Conservation Area and would have an adverse impact upon the setting of the adjacent Grade 2 listed Heron Lodge. Officers also said the care home's parking was not up to standard and would result in cars being parked in surrounding and already congested streets. It is considered that the proposed development would result in a reasonably significant shortfall of parking, leading to parking on the access road to the site and the surrounding residential streets, for example Lark Hill, the report said. Given the parking pressure on the surrounding roads, this would result in danger and inconvenience to other highway users. 
Conservation officers also objected to the plan in the strongest possible terms, saying the care home could not in any way be considered as preserving or enhancing the character or appearance of the Lark Hill Conservation Area. Neighbours close by said during public consultation on the plan that the wildlife-filled green space would be destroyed if the care home is allowed to be built. More than 30 objections were lodged with Worcester City Council during public consultation bemoaning the traffic chaos the new care home would cause on the already congested London Road. The City Council's planning committee meets from 1.30pm in the Guildhall on February the 24th. Council tax will rise in the city after budget plans were backed. Worcester City Council's £12.6 million budget for the next 12 months includes a rise of £5 for the average council tax bill. The multi-million pound budget also includes money for a new play area and BMX track in Worcester, as well as extra electric vehicle charging points. Money has also been put aside for extra street cleaning and goal control and support for walking and cycling. The budget shows the council will be spending £100,000 to transform an unused strip of land off Cotswold Way in Warnden into a new play area. £60,000 to build a new BMX pump track in St Peter's and £10,000 to build a new cricket pitch. There are also plans to spend £140,000 on converting the upper floor of the Coma Gardens Institute into a community facility and £200,000 will be earmarked to install more electric vehicle charging points in the council's car parks. Improvements to the city's appearance will be made with an £80,000 set aside for extra street cleaning £38,000 for a specialist cut-and-collect mower to support wildflowers in Worcester's verges and grassed areas, and an extra £40,000 on gull control. Gosh, these birds are expensive. (laughs) Sorry. As much as £30,000 would be set aside each for the marking of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee in June and the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham throughout July. The City Council will also spend £100,000 on hiring a new walking and cycling specialist to improve active travel in the city. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of the City Council, said the measures in this budget will make a lasting impact on the quality of life for people in Worcester and also support our city's economy as we emerge from the pandemic. Earlier this month, Worcestershire County Council approved its £373 million budget for the coming year, which includes an almost 4% increase in its share of council tax bills. With decisions now made on council tax increases in Worcester and the cost of policing and the region's fire services, the average council tax bill for City Band D households is expected to increase by around £70 a year from April. Presenter Claire Baldwin had to scrap plans to record her popular radio show from Worcester. 
the floods foiled plans for Baldwin to record BBC Radio 4's ramblings from along the riverside in the city. However, she did stop by to take some pictures of the flooded River Severn in the city centre. Instead, Boulding has recorded the show with poet Catherine Swire from Garford in Malvern, calling the views magnificent. She tweeted, Meant to walk in Worcester for ramblings, but you can see why the river path wasn't a very good idea. Instead, I walked in Garford with magnificent views of the Malverns. Bonus trip to Great Malvern train station, which is a joy also. Ramblings sees Baldwin, Bolding join notable and interesting people for a long walk through the countryside. The show's blurb says Claire explores a rural route near the Worcestershire village of Garford. Storm Eunice has just left, just left. Franklin is underway and the River Severn is up to, to us so that this is the last minute change to the planned walk. Originally, Claire and her guest, poet Catherine Swire, had planned to hike the first stretch of the Monarch Way, which runs along the banks of the rivers Team and Severn in Worcester, but flooding has pushed them a little further south. Catherine has recently published her first book of poetry, Soil, which takes the theme of historic trauma and explores how it is etched on our landscape. Worcester was the site of the first proper skirmish and the last battle of the English Civil War, something featured within Catherine's work. The Monarch's Way is a long-distance path which traces the very indirect escape route from Worcester to Suffolk of Charles II after his loss at the Battle of Worcester in 1651. Garford, not on the Monarch's Way, is about two miles east of Great Malvern and a good mile and a half west of the River Severn, hopefully far enough to keep their feet dry. It will be aired on Thursday, March the 3rd at 3pm. A private hospital in Worcester has been rated good to the, by the Care Quality Commission following an unannounced inspection. Inspectors looked into surgical services at Spire South Bank Hospital in December 2021 and published their report yesterday, February the 10th. The CQC rated the surgical department good and upgraded the hospital's overall rating to good. A previous inspection in 2016 rated Spire South Bank as requires improvement. During its latest inspection, the CQC says staff treated patients with compassion and kindness, respected their privacy and dignity, took account of their individual needs and helped them understand their conditions. The CQC also praised the way that the hospital tailored services to meet patients' individual needs and the needs of the local community. Inspectors said the storage of equipment was an issue within the board and theatres, which meant some areas were cluttered, but this did not impact on patient safety or access to areas, the report says. The report means 38 of Spire's 40 hospitals across the UK are rated good, outstanding or the equivalent in Scotland and Wales. Dawn Pickrell, a hospital director at Spire South Bank, said 
This good rating from the CQC is a testament to the hard work, commitment and compassion of all our colleagues. They've risen to the challenges posed by the pandemic over the past two years, putting the delivery of exceptional care to patients and their families at the heart of everything they do. Our sights are now firmly on aiming for an outstanding CQC rating the next time we are inspected. Justin Ash, Chief Executive at Spile Healthcare, added, This report is a well-deserved recognition of the dedication shown by my colleagues at Southbank Hospital. I'm exceptionally proud of the focus the team has placed on delivering high-quality, compassionate and personalised care to all our patients and the wider community. I'm delighted that 96% of our hospitals are now rated good or outstanding. The report moves us one step closer towards our aim of securing a good or outstanding rating for all of our Spire hospitals. The Worcester Business Improvement District has announced Sam McCarthy as the new Chief Executive. Worcester Bid has been in operation since April 2010 and is a not-for-profit organisation that works to improve trading conditions for the businesses that contribute a levy. Sam previously worked as the Projects and Marketing Manager for for Bid. She said, I am thrilled to be appointed Chief Executive at such a pivotal time to support the recovery of our high street. Having joined Worcester Bid in 2015, she worked on managing partnerships and developing brand awareness within the city, managing the bid throughout the entirety of Covid period, where she secured funding through the Worcestershire LEP to set up peer-to-peer networks and the development of a key partnership with Worcestershire's Big Parade. She also worked to connect the community and businesses, building customer confidence and encouraging people to reconnect with the city centre. She says her goals are to enhance the nighttime economy for the city and to utilise the outdoor space. She said, We recognise the need to be creative and ambitious by exploring ideas to activate space and utilise our outdoor areas more effectively, creating a continental dining experience. Also, with a key focus on the nighttime economy, Worcester Bid will be leading on delivering purple flag status to the city, as well as working with our licensed venues to achieve best bar none standards. Further engagement with the local community has been undertaken to support local businesses through shop local campaigns and the recent development of the brand Make It Worcester, which has improved B2B relationships with the bid area. Sam also oversaw the installation of infrastructure within Worcestershire's or sorry, Worcester's heritage streets to permanently enhance and create a vibrant space. Worcester Bid Chairman Mark Hughes said, The Board of Directors is delighted to welcome Sam to the role of Chief Executive. Sam has a genuine understanding of the complexities of operating a bid and we are confident in her ability to lead the team over this critical post-Covid time. 
Light Night Worcester 2022 kicked off its two-day celebrations on uh, Wednesday throughout the city centre despite the widespread flooding. The festivities uh, kicked off and were throughout the city where performance dazzled onlookers under the art installations captivated the crowds. Crowngate Car Park hosted an all-out silent disco where the public could show off their moves accompanied by disco lights and lasers. Guests at the Guildhall were greeted by Luma, the huge eight-metre-long inflatable robot snail who was certainly worth a picture. In Cathedral Square, the lips by puppets with guts were holding 30-minute shows much to the delight of the rotating audiences. The event uh, concludes at 9.30pm and on Wednesday was very successful. It was the third annual Light Night celebration with the first being held in January 2020 and the second in October 2021. And I can say that uh, on my way here this evening, the town was heaving, <laughs> despite the floods. <laughs> Tributes have been paid to a woman who tragically died in a house fire who has been named locally as Mandy Rowe. The 37-year-old was pulled out of the fire at Meadow Court off Meadow Way in Droitwich on Tuesday night, but despite efforts to save her, she died at the scene. Flowers have been left outside the front door of the property with notes of condolence. Friend Aaron Fazakali, who lives not far from the house, said, I knew her well and we both grew up together on the Westlands estate. She was a diamond. She was always smiling. It is heartbreaking, a real tragedy. Among the tributes on social media, Selena Davis wrote, Rest in peace, Mandy. My thoughts are with your girls and your family. Amy Hewlett said, Rest in peace, Mandy. Such a tragedy. Always loved being around with you. Maximus Townsend said, So tragic. My thoughts go out to the family. Rest in peace, Mandy. You're a lovely girl. Gemma Peach wrote, Totally shocked. Sleep tight, Mandy Rowe. A police cordon has been removed from the terraced house by had been removed by yesterday lunchtime. Police officers who had been at the scene throughout Wednesday had also all left by Thursday morning. Windows of the house on the first floor were still open, the frames smoke damaged and the smell of smoke still in the air. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said in a statement Crews from Worcester, Bromsgrove and Droitwich attended, as well as the Incident Command Unit from Wire Forest. The first crew was met with a fire on the first floor of a terraced house, with one person reported missing. Despite receiving advanced trauma care at the scene and being quickly transported by ambulance, the woman sadly died. The cause of the fire is currently being investigated by our specialist fire investigation officers. A West Mercia police spokesman added, we are now looking, now working with the fire service as we carry out investigations to establish the cause of the fire. An appeal for a trial if play streets in Worcester has been turned down after fears that it would lead to consequential rat runs. Richard Udall, Worcestershire County Councillor and St John's City Councillor, appealed for trial road closures so that children can play safely in the streets.
Councillor Udall said several residents from across Worcester have indicated they would be interested in following the lead of Bristol and Cheltenham in introducing play streets, where the community can close the road for an agreed regular time and date time to allow for children to play. I asked for consideration to take place to enable Worcestershire to establish the criteria and any rules or regulations which would allow local communities to do the same in Worcestershire. I suggested establishing a pilot scheme to see how it could work. Unfortunately, outdated and negative thinking has once again prevented any community innovation and change. Councillor Alan Amos, the Cabinet Member with the Responsibility for Highways and Transport, responded to Councillor Udall's proposal during question time at the most recent full council meeting. He said roads are designed to facilitate the movement of goods and people. But Councillor Udall seems to have this ongoing penchant for wanting to close them for cyclists and now for play areas. I can confirm that any objection from a resident because they require access to their properties during any such closure would count as a significant objection that would carry considerable weight in the consideration of it. And, of course, access for the emergency services cannot be compromised under any circumstances, nor on bus routes, given the enormous disruption to timetables that it would cause. Councillor Udall's constituents can, of course, use the local parks, including Pitmaston in my division, which is always happy to welcome dogs people and dogs who are well behaved. I know that my residents in Bedwardine certainly do not want ad hoc or repeated road closures with the creation of consequential rat runs in neighbouring streets. A retelling of the story of Medusa is coming to Worcester for the International Women's Day. Mobilise, formerly known as the Worcester Arts Workshop, is presenting Badass Medusa, hashtag Me Too, which will be premiering at Worcester next month. The show seeks to retell the story of Medusa in the modern world amidst the Me Too movement focusing on gender issues and sexual violence. Dr Hannah Phillips, writer and director of the performance, said, I wanted to reimagine Medusa using a female gaze in the Me Too climate of collective rage. We need to revolutionise conversations around the global crisis of sexual violence and consider how we teach sex education and consent in schools. Although the performance deals with challenging and sensitive issues, it is also pretty badass, hopeful and playful. The original story of Medusa originates from Greek mythology, where she was depicted as a woman with snakes in her hair who could turn men into stone and was beheaded by the Greek hero Perseus. Due to a lot of sensitive subjects which appear in the production, all performers have been working with a counsellor to help them through the potentially triggering subject matters and all performances will be attended by a representative from West Mercia's Women's Aid. Sue Coleman, Chief Executive from West Mercia Women's Aid, said, 
raising the awareness of violence and the abuse of women and girls has never been more important and we are pleased for the opportunity to support this production. Mobilise approached the work with a rare and exciting blend of fearless challenge and emotional intelligence and we look forward to seeing the impact that their production will inevitably have on those lucky enough to experience it. Sarah Jane Morgan, CEO of Worcester Theatres, said, Worcester Theatres are working to broaden and diversify programme and audience engaging with a wider range of theatre creators, dynamic new partnerships to enable this process. Worcester Theatres will be donating £1 from every ticket to West Mercia's Women's Aid. The production will debut in Worcester on March the, between March the 7th and the 9th before touring in Birmingham and Hereford. The show is recommended for those aged 16 and over and tickets can be booked via worcestertheatres.co.uk. The Queen of Halloween was laid to rest in Worcester with an incredible funeral service. The special funeral was held for Christine Lee, who was born on Halloween and loved the day each year. Her funeral carriage was pulled by two black horses dressed with purple and black plumes and the carriage decorated by her daughters with pumpkin garlands, holographic hanging moons and stars and purple metallic bats. Floral arrangements and buttonholes were also Halloween-themed, with floral tributes including the word mum and a purple witch's hat. Her family wanted to celebrate Christine's love of Halloween and asked Jackson family funeral directors for help. Funeral director Mark Campion and his team had a makeup artist on hand to create Halloween faces for everyone in attendance. Her eldest daughter and husband carried the coffin in to Worcester Crematorium to entrance music, love theme from Conan the Barbarian. The service in January this year was led by Jenny Campion, funeral celebrant, who dyed her hair purple and was made up in the style of rock star Alice Cooper. Christine's exit music was He's Back, brackets, the man behind the mask, close bracket, from Constrictor by Alice Cooper. Christine was first diagnosed with incurable breast cancer in 2018, but had battled through 70 rounds of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, losing and regrowing all of her hair in that time. Christine was aged 62 and admitted to hospital with a chest infection on December the 16th, and died at Worcestershire Royal Hospital from pneumonia, surrounded by family, on Christmas Eve. She is survived by her husband of 42 years, Andrew, and two daughters, Camille and April Scarlett. Camille said, Mum was a heroic and strong-willed woman with a burning desire to live. It is with great sorrow and heavy hearts we laid her to rest before her time. Our world has been shattered by her loss. We were waiting for Mum to have a knee replacement this month. I didn't expect to be sitting inside a hearse for three hours decorating it the night before her funeral. I'm so grateful to Gary and Catherine of Blackthorn Funeral Carriages for the opportunity. 
Mark and Jenny Campion seamlessly coordinated the occasion and went the extra mile to make sure everything was right for us. They are truly unsung heroes. For me, being able to carry Mum's coffin with my father and express our grief and sorrow with creative acts was a cathartic experience. It gave us the chance as a family to feel Mum's presence and share how much we dearly love and miss her. We will always keep Mum alive by celebrating her life and birthday. She was the Queen of Halloween. Christine, who was born in Worcester, was laid to rest in her finest cloak and a triple moon circlet with Lord of the Rings even star pendant and her daughter Camille's Sword of the Earth. The family then retired to the Mug House in Clanes, one of the UK's most haunted pubs for the wake and to share memories of Christine. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. Time has beaten us. So I just need to thank our team, Kate Hudman, Janet Goodwin, Sue Perry and John Plush. And to remind you that following the music, the obituaries will follow. And I would also at that point read the thought for the week, actually. And so it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to sign off and hope you all have a good week and stay dry. Bye. And now these are the um, deaths which have been announced in the past week. Uh, two, the first two funerals will have already taken place. Peter Charter passed away the 31st of January. His service um, was at Worcester Crematorium on the 25th of February, so that's actually tomorrow, Friday. Donations for St Richard's Hospice. Uh, funeral directors is Jackson's, 54 to 56 Barbon Road, Worcester, WR11JA. Um and actually on Monday the 28th of February will be the funeral of Violet Cotgreave of Clanes, who passed away on the 3rd of February. Um, funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium at 12.15pm, as I say, on Monday the 28th. Um, donations for Midland Air Ambulance or Help for Heroes um, can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Ken Cole passed away the 2nd of February. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium also on Monday the 28th of February at 2.30pm. Donations for St Richard's Hospice can be sent to EJ Gummery and Son details as before. Doreen Joan Pingree Nay Johnson passed away the 10th of February. Uh, service and burial will take place at St Thomas Church, Crown East, on Tuesday the 1st of March at 1.30pm. Bright colours are requested. Donations for the British Heart Foundation can be sent to the Charity Direct or Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. No details otherwise. Robert Kington, known as Bob, um, form, formerly one-time school governor, church warden and trustee of Worcester Municipal Charities, passed away peacefully on the 31st of January. Funeral service at St Stephen's Church in Barbourne on Wednesday 
the 2nd of March at 12.15pm. Donations for the Royal British Legion or St Stephen's Church can be left in church or sent to EJ Gummery. Details as before. Edward Thomas Cyril, fondly known as Pip, um, he's actually of Ulfric, passed away 29th of January. Funeral service is at St Mary Magdalene Church, Ulfric, on the 3rd of March at 12.30. Donations for St Richard's Hospice, again. Also on the 3rd of March is the funeral of Raymond Eric Fowler, who passed away on the 11th of February. His funeral service is at Worcester Cathedral on Thursday the 3rd of March at 12.45pm. Um, donations for the British Heart Foundation can be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And Raymond was actually a verger for many, many years at the cathedral. The Reverend Elizabeth Ann Hadley of Norton passed away the 13th of February. Private committal at Worcester Crematorium, followed by a service at St James the Great Church, Norton, on Friday the 4th of March at 2pm. Donations for Worcestershire Guide Association can be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10-1HZ, and the family has requested no black be worn. David Farbrother passed away the 2nd of February. Uh, Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Monday the 7th of March at 2.30pm. Donations for St Richard's Hospice um, can be sent directly to the hospice in Wildwood Wildwood Drive, Worcester, WR52QT. Harold Cooling um, doesn't say when he actually passed away. He was deputy head teacher for many years at Gorse Hill School. Service will be at St Barnabas Church in Worcester at 11.30am on the 10th of March, followed by a private family cremation. Donations to the Motor Neurone Disease Association, care of EJ Gummery and Son, telephone 01905 22094. Muriel Ward, nay Wakefield, passed away the 2nd of February. Funeral service on the 15th of March at 11.30am at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only again, but donations to Parkinson's UK. No funeral director mentioned. And our thoughts and prayers do go out to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. And the thought for the day is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 7, verses um, 17, 23 and 24. For forty days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days.